At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included. All while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner. Presented by Bet Rivers. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. And it is Holden with VEASAN. How's everybody doing today on this Monday? The Broncos draft recap. I'm going to give you all my thoughts on that. We won the bets. We won both of our bets on that. So it was a very good weekend if you tailed there. The Avalanche get going in the playoffs starting tomorrow night. So we're going to have a detailed breakdown and a good bet for that series against the Nashville Predators. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. speak. The season's over, and there was some very interesting stuff that Murray and Michael and Tim Connolly had to say. So we'll roll through that, plus the Rockies with a 10-1 pounding of the Reds yesterday get a sweep. Some CU hoops, snooze, and uh, a no-hitter this weekend that, eh, to me, was completely mad. But let's get into this. Broncos draft recap. Our bets cashed. Broncos went defense with their first selection. Told you to take that at minus 125. I believe it closed around minus 182. Also hit linebacker at plus 280. Uh, wanted you hit linebacker and defensive end. They went linebacker and hit that at plus 280. So great, great weekend betting the NFL draft for the Broncos. Updated lines on the 2022 season. Nothing really changing here. Over 10 wins, which is what we get. Uh, what we got on this show, minus 121. I still think that's the number to bet. I still think they get over that number. I like what they did in the draft. And more on that in just a second. But it uh, doesn't change my mind either way. Go over, under 10 wins. If you think they go 9-8 and eight or something, it's, it's even money. So if you're leaning that way, to make the playoffs, minus 152 now. 
uh, heavy favorites to make the playoffs, to miss it plus 125. I mean, to me, if you're going to make the playoffs, you probably need to go 10 and 7 at the least. So if you're going to bet them to make the playoffs, just bet them to go more than 10 wins. Uh, I think that's pretty simple at this point. They're probably, they're going to need to go 10 and 7 at a minimum, likely 11 and 6. Okay, here's my thoughts on the draft. Okay, they got an A plus because Russell Wilson was their first round pick. But from strictly a picks standpoint, no first rounder, obviously. You know, they make a little trade in the draft. They get a third rounder next year. I like that. They didn't get a day one starter. I don't think, unless there's an injury, there's not going to be a day one starter. But I love that Nick Benito could start in the near future, especially since Bradley Chubb stays uh, or, or struggles to stay healthy. Randy Gregory struggles to stay healthy. My favorite move was them actually landing a kick returner. I'm not even kidding. Uh, so let's get into this here. They didn't address offensive tackle, which I'm fine with. Some people freaking out about it. I'm not freaking out about it. That just means that Billy Turner is going to be the right tackle. And he's a guy that comes over from Green Bay, can play multiple positions. Hackett loves him. I'm also going to be talking with George Stoya, again, from the Gazette about all these picks. But here's my thoughts. Uh, no big deal that they didn't address the tackle position. If the guys they they wanted aren't there, why do you waste the pick there, right? Uh, also, the question is, is Baron Browning playing inside linebacker or edge? Because if he's not, who is? And my reasoning for betting both linebacker and defensive end, or defensive lineman, I should say, was because I, I'm still not sure what they're doing with Browning, whether he'll be an edge and he was working exclusively there. But after picking up Benito, it makes me lean that we're going to see Browning inside linebacker quite a bit. I do love that Denver added a third-round pick next year when the Colts traded up to number 96. So there's another pick that Peyton has gone out and added to this roster next year. Here's the picks. Let's get into the picks here. Number 64 overall, Nick Benito. Love the pick. He might be needed to start this season, and he absolutely can. And a detailed, detailed, detailed breakdown with George Stoya later on in the show of him because Stoya went to Oklahoma and knows this guy well. Greg Dulcich, the tight end. Well, listen, they need another pass catcher at the position. It's good for depth. It's a backup if Albert O struggles. He likely won't have a major impact on offense this season because rookie tight ends rarely do. Let's just go back to last year. Kyle Pitts, the greatest tight end prospect in the history of the National Football League. And I, I, I don't even kid about that. Seriously, nobody, nobody uh, thought that he just wouldn't land day one and have a monster season in Atlanta. Uh, well, guess what? Those people in Atlanta were wrong. Uh, he didn't have a monster season. And Dulcich is not the offensive weapon that Pitts is. I know that Russell Wilson loves to use the tight ends, but I just don't see Dulcich being used uh, extensively in 2022 unless there is, it's got to be an injury to Albert O for that to happen. And hopefully that doesn't happen. But I like the pick. Going forward, this could be, you know, their number one guy at tight end. Damari Mathis, cornerback in the next round, cornerback depth. He could play slot. He could play outside. That's what I love about this Mathis pick. Again, the cornerback room, a little bit shallow after the front three, and Mathis is a nice one. 439-40 at the combine, so he's kind of fast too. All right, now we get into the, the fun name, and I don't think anybody here in town is going to be able to pronounce it uh, correctly, 
So I'm going to try it for you. This is via phonetics, okay? Ioma Uwazarike. Actually, that was not too tough. Uwazarike. It's very simple, right? So Ioma Uwazarike, the defensive tackle. He can um, he can play, man. He was productive at Iowa State. 42 tackles, 12 for loss, 9 sacks. One of the better run defenders in this defensive line class, too. So he could come in and make an impact from a depth perspective. Uh, he was all over the defensive line. And good luck pronouncing him and Albert Obakunam. So you've got Obakunam and you got Uazarike, and that's what you got with the Denver Broncos. So good luck to all the national broadcasters coming into town trying to get that right. Uh, later in the draft, Delarin Turner-Yell, a safety. Uh, very deep, very talented safety room. He was a little reach. He's 5'10", 197 at most. We'll see if he can overcome some size disadvantages, maybe play some special teams. Just like the 24-year-old center and tackle, Luke Wattenberg, versatile guy. He's older, again, 24 years old. So he got to stick around in school a little bit longer with the COVID issues. And we'll see if he can make it with depth. Matt Henningsen, interior defensive lineman. And then, uh, then Hicks, the cornerback special teamer. But my favorite, favorite pick, Okay, Montrell Washington, kick returner. Had I heard of Montrell Washington before the draft? Absolutely not. He did lead FCS in, uh, in, in all-purpose yards as a wide receiver and a kick returner. But why am I happy? Because the special teams is by far and away the weakest position on this team. It has been since the Vic Fangio years. And now at least they've got Montrell Washington, who you can look on tape and see Boop, 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 boop. He just bounces in and out. He's great in small places. Did you like my sound effects there too, by the way? He's great in small places. He can go away. I, I love it. I love it. Deontay Spencer's out. KJ Hamler's probably going to be wide receiver only. And they got themselves a kick returner. Yeah, they got a new coaching staff, a new kick returner, a new scheme. I hope everything works out for them special teams wise because that is going to add a game or two to their win total. You think about this team, even last year under Fangio, they probably lost. I, I, I went back and I thought about it. They probably lost two games because of special teams alone. Unacceptable. Anyways, Peyton Hackett said they expect him to be their guy returning kicks and punts. So he's got to earn it, but I like it. Again, I'll give him a, a, a B on the draft. They get an A if you include the Russell Wilson trade. I give him a B because they got themselves a guy in Nick Benito that could step in and play on the edge this year and might have to start because the the injury-prone Chubb and Gregory, okay? And I think long-term he's going to be a starter. Dulcich, good pick, tight end. You need another starter at the position in the upcoming years. Maybe Dulcich is that guy. Uh, and then you get Uazarike, who I like in the defensive line, Mathis with cornerback depth, and the special teams have at least been addressed so great news there and that was number one on the front range for the four biggest sports stories on the front range okay the broncos draft in the books i'll be doing more and more on the broncos draft as the week goes on by the way we're not just going to drop it because it just happened <clears throat> i'm excited i'm excited about this team and again i think from here on out you know, this will just be bets on over 10 wins and That'd be about it. To make the playoffs, if you're comfortable with minus 152 juice, by, by all means, go and do so. Uh, but the fact that they just filled in a whole bunch of depth on this team, 
I like where they're at. Number two on the front range for four biggest stories in sports on the front range. How about the Avalanche hosting the Nashville Predators game one Tuesday night, and it is hockey playoff time. And Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, place three same game parlays of $10 or more on each round and get a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Okay? Think of it as like a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with same game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com. You got to be 21. You got to be located in Colorado. And if you got a gambling problem, please call 1 800 522 4700. Okay. So here's the line The Avs are minus 625 to win this series against the Nashville Predators. It is such an overwhelming line that you've got to be a ding dong to place a bet on minus 625, or you've got so much money, you just don't care if the wildest thing in the history of the world happens. I've got a better way to attack this series than laying 625 for the Avalanche to win it. So, I'm attacking it like this. Colorado has gone 12-2, and right? 12-2 and in the first round of the last three seasons. They are the best team in the National Hockey League heading into the playoffs, And for the first time in forever, Jared Bednar, their head coach, says they're all coming back. They're all going to be healthy, including including Gabe Landeskog. So instead of laying minus 625 for a series price, I am very steadfast believing that this is going to be a four or five game series. Just Nashville has so many issues, especially in goal. I mean, they had UC Saros, who was was a Vezina Trophy finalist, right? I mean, this guy... One of the best goaltenders in the league, well, they go to David Riddich. And that is a big, big gap. Nashville in the penalty box a whole bunch. The Avalanche could take advantage of that. Talent-wise, top to bottom, just the better team. The way to attack this series for me, Avalanche minus two and a half games on Bet Rivers. Look at the NHL series specials or series prices, and you can get that at a nice little number, minus 117. All right, elsewhere with this series, Nashville actually won the season series, but that doesn't matter. And, and then that late, that late victory against the Avalanche, uh, was it last week, I believe? Uh, they're just better than the Predators from top to bottom. Like, it's not even close. And I love this matchup for them. Uh, game, the game one line here, the Avs are minus 315 and a six and a half total. I could see this thing going over. Uh, with the issues that Nashville has in goal. And then, you know, Nashville has a couple of big, big offensive studs here in Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg. They both are 40-plus goal scorers, okay? The Avalanche didn't have that, but let's let's face it, they're so deep. I mean, between Miko and Kadri and, of course, McKinnon, Landeskog is coming back. Really good in net with Darcy Kemper, although he's been a little funk down the stretch, He'll get out there if it takes him a game to wake up. I've been thinking about this for a while now because every time I talk about the abs the last two weeks, it's like, let's fade them, let's fade them, let's fade them. Can they just flip the switch in the playoffs? And I think the answer to that question is yes. They're just so much better. And even though the Preds won the regular season series, uh, there's a few different reasons for that. First of all, that last game, the abs were, I don't want to say they were tanking, but they were just coasting into the playoffs, okay? Uh, Nashville led the NHL with 
1,035 penalty minutes. That is an insane number of penalty minutes. Colorado is 12th at 7.42, okay? So here's my play once again. Abs minus two and a half games in the series. Watch them roll through round one once again. All right, let's move on to number three on the front range for the four biggest stories in sports on the front range. We're going to talk nuggets now. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. with their exit interviews, Tim Connolly to the GM. Uh, Murray, the stuff that Murray had to say was really interesting. Okay. He said he's going to play pickup games this summer. And it will have been a year and a half since he last played the NBA game when the season starts next year. And he said, expect me to start a little slow. But the big question during the season was, why didn't Murray play if he was cleared? Why didn't he play if he was cleared? And here's how he addressed the question of why he never came back during the season. You know, I have some really great days where I'm like, there's no soreness and um, I feel like I can go. And then, you know, you have the days that right after that where it's like it kind of puts things in perspective where, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not there yet. Um, and those are really tough because on those good days, I'm, I'm on my high horse and um, really looking forward to the future. But then um, those slow days are uh, – it's tough to see the, the future after that. You know, it's tough to, to plan and, and tell you how good I am. Um, so – like I said, it's, the uncertainty is tough when you're not sure how your body's going to react. And um, there's so much detail in the rehab. I've learned so much over ACL. I'm not even, I'm not a geek like that, but I've learned so much about my own body. So that's interesting. He had some really great days, right? And he was worried about his body and he learned about his body. But the thing you didn't hear there, and it was just kind of, I don't want to say it was a throwaway line, but it was a little line. Murray said the hardest part of the comeback is defending, and he thought that the Warriors would pick on him if he came back. To which I would say, if that is the reason why he did not come back, I don't know if that's a great reason. They could have used him. It, just stand out there, spot up, shoot some threes, come down. Listen, defensively, there's going to be times when you're going to have to catch up. And I think if you need threes, Jamal Murray is the guy to get to the bucket. Jamal Murray is the guy who can shoot threes. He can facilitate. He takes a lot off of Jokic's platter. And if the, the only reason was, well, I would have gotten exposed defensively, I think that's just silly. I think it's silly. And I don't think it's the only reason. Uh, Tim Connolly, the GM, said it would have been irresponsible to let Murray enter in that level of competition. So Connolly came out and said that uh, it was irresponsible then. We can't let him come into the playoffs. And that sounds accurate, but there's just too much chatter to think that they didn't want him in the playoffs. Like if he came to Connolly after just game two and said, hey, Tim, I want to play. You think he's telling him no? Absolutely not. They may have been saying that he wasn't going to play, or they may have been saying, okay, there's a chance he can play because of gamesmanship, just to keep the other side thinking, all right, maybe we'll have Jamal Murray to deal with here in this, in this series. But... I'm not buying it that much. Uh, and I don't think it would have been irresponsible if he was ready. Bottom line is this. I think that Connolly was covering for Murray. I think that the front office was uh, frustrated. And I think ultimately they'll just have to put this behind them and go on to next season because they've got no other, sh they got no other choice. That's it. You put this year behind it. I, it was a successful season in my estimation. You got to the playoffs with that team. 
good job. But again, I'm not going to buy the fact that they would not have played him, that it would have been irresponsible if he didn't come back and say, okay, I'm ready to go. So then there's Michael Porter Jr. And he said he could have played on one leg and stood in the corner and shoot three pointers. He also said, I probably wouldn't have been at my best at that point, thinking short term, not long term. So I don't blame Porter for not playing. I mean, this guy is Mr. Glass. He's, he's just injured so much. And I love the question to Tim Connolly was, hey, what did you think about giving Porter Jr. that early contract extension last year, given his previous medical history? It was a great question. I mean, five years, $272 million, and that deal is kicking in next season for a guy that can't, he just can't stay healthy for a full season. He can't stay healthy at all. And here's what Connolly said to that. He goes, oftentimes the best indicator of future health is current health. Unfortunately, he had the injuries he dealt with this year. Hindsight is 2020. Tim Connolly told you it was a mistake signing MPJ. You don't, you don't hear that very often. Giving a five-year, $272 million deal to Michael Porter Jr. to me sounds like, all right, no, hindsight's 2020. Yeah, hindsight is 2020. Bad contract. Hopefully they can work around it. He's got to get creative moving forward, Connolly does. Porter and Gordon have bad contract extensions starting up next season. They're going to give Jokic the Supermax contract. They've got the 21st pick in the draft. And they have to hope that more Murray and Porter come back strong and stay healthy as Bones continues his descent. Can this team win a championship with Jokic and Murray without Porter? I don't think they can. I think they have to have some level of contribution from Michael Porter Jr. as this roster is constructed. The goal should be to win it all again next year. And, and it has so much to do, it's unfortunate, it has so much to do with MPJ. But if he stays healthy, this team is a title contender. If he doesn't, then we'll have to see how the cards fall. You know, we don't have the roster for the other teams right now in the West. But without MPJ as your number three scorer, I just don't know who I would feel comfortable doing that. Would it be whoever is the number one 21 pick? Would it be a guy that somehow Connolly could get creative and bring in here? You need a legit number three. And that's not Aaron Gordon. That's not Will Barton. That's not Monte Morris. Okay, number four on the front range four. This will be a quick one. The Rockies, who had a miserable road trip in Detroit and Philadelphia. They got swept by the Phillies. They came home, and they just took three against the, the Reds. Ten to one over Cincinnati yesterday. They have a three-game sweep at home. They are 13-9. and nine. Very, very good record. 13-9 and nine overall, 9-4 nine and four at home. So they're 4-5 and five on the road. And uh, we know what this team is. They can play well at home. They have over the, the, the history of their franchise, especially over the last three years. They're god-awful on the road. Kyle Freeman needed just 80 pitches to get through seven innings yesterday, four hits to run, four Ks. The bullpen was good, but they still have the worst ERA in baseball at 4.87. So after that hot start the first couple of weeks of the season, it has not been good. But again, they're home. They have an off day today, and tomorrow they face another really bad team in the Washington Nationals. Next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, my buddy George Stoya with the Gazette. Get his thoughts on all of the picks for the Broncos. He has a detailed breakdown of all of them in his article. We'll discuss it next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers.
Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and you'll receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every Tuesday during the season. Use it on straight bets, player props, or same game parlay. You decide. Log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Must be 21. Must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, welcome back to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I promised George Stoya that I wouldn't bother him the rest of the offseason if he came on and talked a little bit about the draft today with the Broncos. And he joins us here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Hello, George Stoya. I know you got a big uh, week coming up. You're going to cover a little avalanche hockey too but wow it was an interesting few days for the broncos how are you my friend good i am uh still resting up from what seemed like a uh really long weekend especially that saturday uh is always a, a marathon of the draft but uh i think the broncos got some good players so i'm happy to talk about it where were you were you here in denver or did you head out to the draft yeah so the the broncos host uh all the local media at their facility and, and we all kind of watch it together and then as soon as they get picked uh, almost minutes after we get a lot of those guys on conference calls so we got to talk, got to speak to a lot of them and obviously they brought in nick benito and greg dulcich uh the day after they were drafted for, for a press conference so i was i was here in denver uh talking to those guys Last time I had you on, I think you had Trey McBride at pick number 64, and you and I discussed it. And then your last mock draft, you hit it 100%. It was Nick Benito, edge from Oklahoma. Now, you're an Oklahoma guy. You probably see this guy play every single snap. Would that be correct? Talk to us a little bit about Benito. Yeah, I've, I've seen him play uh, every snap of his college career. It's funny. I was actually talking to him uh, on, on Saturday, and, and – you know, I was telling him I was there uh, when he had his, his uh, you know, most his most iconic play was against Baylor in 2019. He had a game-winning interception. Uh, and at the time, no one really knew who he was. Uh, he was kind of a backup. And then obviously he took off to, in 2020 and 2021 and, uh, you know, had a great career. But he's an elite pass rusher, and that's why they ended up taking him. He's a guy that's really quick off the edge, um, has has great bend, um, isn't the biggest guy. I think he's six foot three, around 250. Uh, so isn't the biggest they want to put on probably 10 pounds of muscle. And, and George Payton talked about he needs to get stronger and he needs to get better a little bit in his run defense. But in terms of uh, in terms of just a straight pass rusher, the guy's really, really good. I mean, he was one of the best in the country last year. I know uh, I think pro football focus had him rated as, uh, you know, graded out as the highest pass rusher last season. And, and, you know, I think he had 16 sacks in his last two seasons at Oklahoma. So he's a guy that can get after the quarterback. And that's exactly what the Broncos were looking for. So he's not going to need to be a day one starter, but he does have the ability to start, right? You would feel comfortable or they would feel comfortable if that happens? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, and I would put him at number three. I mean, obviously, Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory are your two guys uh, there at that position that are going to be starting there. And, and then I would say Benito's right there at number three. I, I think he's probably ahead of a guy like Malik Reed, who, uh, you know, is a, is a nice player, but has struggled at times and has his limitations, whereas Benito's so athletically gifted that, I think you're going to see a lot of him next season. And when you talk about Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, both those guys have struggled to stay on their field for an entire season. So, um, you know, my prediction is that Benito will start at least one, if not more games next season for the Broncos because of that injury history with those two guys. And so I also think Benito could be end up being Bradley Chubb's replacement. I mean, I, I you know, I still think that they're going to eventually get a deal done with Chubb. But if Chubb has an injury next season or he has – um, you know, maybe not the quality of play that they expect from him. 
Um, I could see them moving on and, and sticking with a guy like Benito, who's obviously going to be cheaper uh, and is younger. By the way, if you want a detailed breakdown of what George thinks about all the picks, you can go to the Gazette. A look at all nine picks by the Broncos in the 2022 NFL Draft. So that's there. We just went right into Benito. Just overall thoughts on the draft here. And, and I really went into it thinking, okay, the number one pick is Russell Wilson. Nobody's going to have a better first round than what the Broncos had. But what about the rest of the draft? What did you think about what they did with what they had? Yeah, I think that they filled, you know, pretty much every position I, I, that they wanted to and, and really added some depth in some key positions. And, you know, I think it also tells you that they feel really good at what they've done uh, at right tackle in the offseason and, and signing a couple guys at that position because I think that was a spot that a lot of people thought they were going to draft and they didn't. Uh, in fact, I think they only draft, you know, one offensive lineman and it was a center from Washington, Luke Wattenberger. Uh, and, and he's a guy that um, I think could come in and maybe compete for that starting job or at least – uh, make the 53-man roster as maybe the, the backup center next season. So I think that that's the one position they didn't look. I think overall, though, you look at some of the guys that they got, Mathis from Pitt, uh, DeLaren Turner-Yell, another Oklahoma guy. Um, you know, you look at Matt Henningsen, uh, Montreal Washington. These guys are probably going to end up playing somewhere on special teams, especially Montreal Washington, who uh, I actually wrote a, a pretty big feature on him uh, late last night and it dropped, dropped early this morning, and he's going to, I, I think he's going to end up being their return guy next season. And so um, that was definitely the emphasis of this draft was getting guys at, at positions that maybe they have, you know, a couple guys, but to get some more depth, but also to, to really get better at special teams because uh, the Broncos were abysmal in that area really the last few seasons. So I think that that was George Payton's emphasis, especially on day three. Oof. Well, let, real quick, before we get to the rest of the picks, then you mentioned right tackle. And I know some people are saying, well, why didn't they address the offensive line? So you really believe that Peyton and the rest of these guys think that the offensive line is set. They got enough starters and they got enough depth. I think so. Um, I, I think that they feel really comfortable with Tom Compton, Finley, uh, who they brought in from the Packers. Uh, you know, I think that you, you look at Calvin Anderson, I think they have some faith in him at, at tackle as well. Uh, and I really think that you know, obviously the left tackle, Garrett Bowles, is, is pretty sured up. Uh, I think really the interior offensive line is where they want to get better. And I think that you're going to see every single one of those three positions be battles uh, this training camp. I, I think that that's going to be a spot that, you know, even a guy like Dalton Reisner, who's been the starter there the last three years, uh, could lose his starting spot. Graham Glasgow, who's been in the NFL for a while, may not be a starter next season. So I think that all those positions are going to be up for grabs. And, and I think the other thing, too, is the way the draft fell, uh, a lot of those tackles went pretty early, and, and obviously the Broncos uh, weren't, didn't have that many picks. You know, obviously they had no picks on day one, uh, and then day two they only had three, and they traded one for next season. And I think that George Payton just wasn't comfortable bringing in a guy. And I think that's going to be their number one priority next year is trying to draft that future right tackle. But I think they feel really good with the guys they got in free agency uh, to sure up that side for at least one year. Where's Billy Turner stand on the line? Uh, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Uh, I think I said Finley earlier. I don't know why I said Finley. But, yeah, Billy, okay. T Billy Turner is the guy that I think is going to start at that right tackle spot. Okay. Uh, and I think Tom Compton is a guy that could also start there. He could also start at guard. So I think that that's why they feel really comfortable is they've got a couple guys there that can that can uh, really fill in that position. I mean, people forget Tom Compton was the starting right tackle for the 49ers last year all the way up into to the uh, NFC Championship game. I mean, he was he was on a really good football team last year, knows the scheme, and is a guy that can come in and really play any position on the offensive line other than center. So I think they feel comfortable with him. And then also, like you said, Billy Turner 
being from Green Bay, playing in Hackett's offense, I think they feel really good with him as well. Okay, let's get to this third-round pick in Dulcich because tight end is historically not a position where you're going to get offensive production, at least for numbers, in year number one. They did need another pass catcher. Obviously, you need somebody next to Alberto. You need depth there. So what's the outlook on Dulcich this year? And then going forward, they believe this guy can be the number one? Yeah, you know, I think he's a guy that you're going to see play quite a bit this next season because they really just don't have a ton of guys there right now. Obviously, you have Albert O, and you, you have the guy they brought in from the Ravens whose name is slipping, slipping my mind. But, um, you know, I think his name's Alex. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Alex. I mean, he's, he's you know, more of a blocking tight end. Then you have Andrew Beck who's been around and is kind of, you know, on the 53-man roster one week, not on it. Uh, can play fullback, but isn't again isn't really a, a pass catcher. Whereas Dulcich, that's what he does. I mean, that is what he's good at. Uh, he he stretches the field. He's a guy that I think they'll you know put in the slot. They'll they'll have him you know spread out. I don't think they're going to have him do a whole lot of blocking. They're going to bring Alex in to do a lot of that uh, for, for the Broncos. And Alberto has to get better in that area too. But I do think you're going to see quite a bit of Dulcich, and I think that's why they drafted him. Uh, you know, I think he averaged over 17 yards per catch in college at UCLA, and so I, I think that he's a guy that you're going to see kind of thrown in the mix just because he is, you know, probably their second best pass catcher at tight end uh, other than Albert O. And I think he could eventually be that number one tight end if he can, you know, again, I think they want to put some more muscle on him as well. Uh, and obviously Albert O has had some injury history, so who knows if he can make it a full season. So I think Dulcich is a guy that they expect to lead on quite a bit, even though, like you said, uh, usually year one tight ends aren't guys that you, that you see on the field a ton. Okay, so we'll get to the other positions here, but I want to talk about special teams. And I believe you and I discuss. I, I seem to discuss special teams with everybody when it comes down to the draft. You know, especially when you're moving on, third round, fourth round, and later. Uh, thoughts on upgrading what I think was probably the worst position over the last three years? You know, we can say offense, defense, but people forget about special teams. It cost them multiple games under Vic Fangio. Talk to me here. What did they do to address it? Montreal, Washington, right? They like this guy. What else did they do? Yeah, Montreal, Washington is definitely a guy that they really like. And, and you know, I, again, I did a lot of research on him the last couple of days. And he's an electric turner. I mean, he's a guy that uh, I think had three kickoff returns for touchdowns last season, one against Florida uh, in a big game earlier last year. Uh, and then he was also a guy in high school that was, you know, I think had over 2,000 all-purpose yards uh, playing at the highest class in, in Georgia high school football. So he's a guy that can really go. Um, you know, some people have said he's run a 4 uh, He's got great uh, agility, can, can really make people miss in space. And so he's a guy that I fully expect to be their starting punt returner and kick returner next season. Uh, and then I think the other positions that they really, they're really going to look at is a guy like DeLaron Turner-Yell. I mean, it, he's a safety and obviously – the Broncos are, are, are pretty loaded at safety when you think about Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Caden Stearns played a lot for them last year. P.J. Locke's been around for a while. Uh, so they've got some guys at that safety position, but he was strictly a special teams guy. And, and again, he's a guy that I watched a lot of uh, at Oklahoma, and he was easily the best tackler on that football team the last couple of years. And he's a guy that can really go. I think he ran a, a 4-4-40, so he's a guy that, you could see maybe being the gunner on punt team next year. He's definitely going to be on kickoff. Um, he's a real physical player. Uh, and I think you could say the same thing about, you know, Mathis from from Pitt, the corner from there. He's a guy that can really go. He's a good tackler. I think you'll see him on special teams. Uh, and then the kid from Wisconsin, they, they took in the seventh round. I'm not sure he'll make the, the 53-man roster. Fan Hicks, 
Um, you know, but I think that he's a guy that had a really good 40 time, um, showed some tackling skills in college that I think he could also compete for a spot uh, where he's strictly playing special teams. Okay, so we got the special teams part of this done. And you did mention some of the other players here, but um, is there one guy that really stands out to you? Who's the one guy that stands out to you that's not Benito and Dulcich? And could it be Ioma Uwazarike? Could he? I just wanted to show off that I could say that. Yeah, name, I was going to say that was impressive. Too. I can't say that, but I, I actually really like him. He's the one guy I think I have ne- I've yet to mention on here, and he's the one that I'll talk about now because I think he's the, he's somebody that you could end up um, seeing play a lot of snaps next year. I think he's going to be on that defensive line rotation. Uh, he's a guy that was really productive at Iowa State. I mean, he played uh, pretty much every single position on the defensive line from nose tackle all the way to defensive end. Uh, I think he had nine sacks as a defensive lineman last year, which is pretty impressive. And and he was going up against some good talent um, at times in the Big 12. So I, I think that he's a guy that could come in and, and really compete for probably not a starting job, but definitely be in that defensive line rotation with Draymond Jones, DJ Jones, uh, and those guys up front for, for the Broncos. And I would also add Matt Henningsen. He's a guy that hmm. uh, was really productive at Wisconsin, a walk-on. Uh, originally there and obviously worked his way up to getting a scholarship and was one of the better defensive ends uh, in the country last season. So I think he's a guy, um, also a big run stopper, which they really lacked a lot last year. I thought they had some good pass rushers. They just couldn't uh, stop the run at times. So I think that he could also you know, find a spot in that, that defensive line rotation as well. Hey, can you talk to us about the cornerback room now? You, you mentioned Mathis. Uh, it was one room where I think there was some need, obviously, right? You got Sertan, who's the best, Darby, Quan Williams. Outside of that, you're looking for a little bit of depth. How is that cornerback room looking right now? Is it uh, is it complete like the first Death Star, or is it uh, incomplete like the second one? I think it's I think it's incomplete, uh, but I think that's only because you don't really know what you're getting with Mathis yet, and I, I think they expect him to be a guy. Um, that's going to make the 53-man roster and maybe be a backup corner or a backup to the backup. You know, you still have Michael Ojemudia, uh, who they drafted a couple years ago and really showed some good stuff in his rookie season, playing quite a bit. Then he had the injuries last year um, that really sidelined him, and obviously they, they were pretty loaded at that position uh, a year ago. So I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to rely on, on Ojemudia as kind of the, the backup if Sertan or Darby were to go down. And then you also have Mathis, who I think can compete for that backup spot as well. Um, it is interesting that uh, I don't think Bryce Callahan has ended up anywhere yet. And, and I don't know if he would want to return to Denver as a backup guy, because I think that they're really going to lean on obviously K1 Williams to be that, that uh, kind of nickel player that Bryce has been the last couple years for the Broncos. But um, you know, if Bryce doesn't end up anywhere in the next couple months, I, I would be interested to see if they could get him back on a small deal to, to maybe be that backup corner because when you look at the K1 Williams and, and Ronald Darby, both those guys, I don't think, um, have finished a lot of their seasons without you know missing a game or two uh, due to injury. So they're going to need somebody to come in at some point next season uh, and play there. And obviously, Sertan had the injury at the end of last year um, that I think he missed the last game. So you're going to want to get some more corners. But I, I do know that they feel pretty confident in Ojemudia's development. Uh, and then obviously, they drafted Mathis there in the fourth round to, I, I suspect, be a backup corner next year. Okay, now George is very versatile because not only is he covering the Broncos draft, you get to cover hockey for the first time. I know it's an interim label that you have, but you are a very lucky man. How excited are you 
to cover the best team in the National Hockey League with the opportunity to actually be in the Stanley Cup Finals, be covering the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, this is a monster opportunity for you, man, just from a just from a reporter standpoint, getting the opportunity to do this. This has got to be great for you. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. And, you know, this is typically the time of year that you kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, sit back and you don't really have a whole lot to do when you cover the NFL. After the draft, you know, you have rookie minicamp and then you have OTAs and those those sort of things are kind of just going through the motions. So to have something to where you jump in and, I mean, this is it. This is the season for the Avs, right? I mean, this is what they've been working for all year. And obviously, when you talk about recent history with them and kind of the disappointments they've had in the playoffs, it feels like maybe they can finally make that run. I know that they've got a ton of talent. And, and obviously, Bednar, I know, spoke the other day about you know, trying to move on from those playoff losses from a year ago and being more physical. Uh, and obviously they're going to have to be against against Nashville this, this you know, coming week and in this first round. But um, it's going to be fun, man, and I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, I feel like, you know, th this city is obviously a Broncos city. I mean, everybody loves the Broncos. But when the Avs are good, uh, you know, there's nothing like hockey playoff, uh, playoff hockey. So I think that uh, people are going to be pretty fired up, and, and I'm pretty excited to, you know, not only – get to cover him but get to go on the road with him and and, and uh, be at every game so i'm pretty excited about it yeah and three quarters of the people here in denver that'll be watching the games get to watch them for the first time this season right I mean, just because of the dispute so it's awesome like i think there's just going to be a surge of interest maybe not during the first round as much but once they get past that first round it's going to get really really intense and i cannot wait and they're going to go kick some butt and my bet for this, I'm just going to throw it out at you. If you want some dinner, uh, you can buy some dinner with that. Uh, Avs minus two and a half games in this series. They're winning this thing in four or five. I think it's pretty simple. Uh, Nashville's just not going to be able to, to keep up with them. So that's my hockey advice for you. Thank you so much for breaking down the NFL and the Broncos for us. Again, I really appreciate it. Have a great offseason. Um, and if you ever want to talk, you can just hit me up if you want to beg to come on the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers, which is what you won't do, okay? <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Holden. I always appreciate it coming on here. Thank you, George Stoya. Check his stuff out at the Gazette. He is uh, he just does tremendous work over there. I'm going to wrap up the show with some big CU Hoops news and my thoughts on a combined no-hitter, which was uh, not that exciting. Next on the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to sign up. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Thanks again to George Stoya for hopping on. Also want to remind you before we get out of here, I do have those two topics coming up with the Buffs basketball and some no hitters. Um, leave me a review if you get a chance. Five-star review would be great. Say something nice about the show and that would make me wonderful and would give you some great mojo. Okay, let's talk some college hoops. I love the college hoops. We had a profitable year. Uh, Jabari Walker though, first team all Pac-12 on the Colorado Buffs hoops team. He's not coming back. His dad, Samaki Walker, a former NBAer says uh, Jabari is fully committed to becoming a professional basketball player, has no intentions of returning to school. He wants to sign with an agent and go all in, which, you know what? He can. He's ready for it. The thing with him is you hear his father talking about a professional career, so he might understand that he's a second round pick. He goes to the G League because right now, 
it looks as though, and I, I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts. <clears throat> He's a late, late first round to early to mid second round selection. Uh, he was all Pac-12 in his freshman year. Um, he had 17 double doubles last year. Actually, last year was first all team Pac-12, not the freshman year. He did shoot 53% behind the arc his freshman year. Big dip last year to 34%. He's got to get that righted. Um, I, again, he, he was terrific for two years. They didn't get to the tournament. He'll move on. 14 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds, 46% from the field. I think they needed him though to be a legit contender in the Pac-12. Can this team next year, and it's very early talking about it, compete for a spot in the NCAA tournament? It's going to be tough. Uh, to be honest, it's going to be really tough without Walker. They've got KJ Simpson, right? Neat Clifford, Luke O'Brien, Tristan De Silva, Lawson Lovering. It's an okay starting five. They do have a, a nice four-star forward coming in, and Joe Hurlbert. He's uh, hopefully he can he can make an impact here at the four spot behind De Silva, and then R.J. Smith, the wing, and they've got the Princeton graduate transfer Ethan Wright. So. The roster's just about set. Uh, to me, it looks like another NIT roster without Jabari Walker. Last but not least, so this weekend, there was a combined no-hitter by the New York Mets. A couple things. First of all, the Mets broadcast team decided uh, to say that it was a no-hitter brewing, and then the Mets fans got upset about that. And I'm so sick of these jinxes. It's so dumb. Nothing you do or say, unless you're at the game running onto the field is going to affect what happens in a no-hitter. I mean, it's tough to get a no-hitter. The Mets had a combined no-hitter. And, and I think these combined no-hitters, they do deserve the asterisk, though. Five pitchers combining on a no-hitter? I mean, the no-hitter got so routine last year, and this is just one pitcher. We had eight no-hitters by one pitcher, one by uh, a, a collective effort. That was five pitchers as well. But we had nine no-hitters last year. And I remember a day, you know, a decade ago when we just didn't get any no-hitters. It wasn't a thing. And it's, is the no-hitter dead? Well, now it's like, how many are we going to have in a season? We just had our first. And having five in there just isn't as special. It isn't. It's not as great of accomplishment. As a matter of fact, I think it says more about the team you're facing to get no-hit because you had to use so many pitchers, it says more about the team being very futile and probably unlucky. You need luck to get a no-hitter. It'd still be amazing to see a no-hitter live, even if it was a combined effort. But ultimately, I wake up in the morning or I'm watching a game. I'm not going to rush to go and watch a multiple pitcher no-hitter. It's just not the same. It's not, it's not a bore. It's just not, it's, it's just not the real thing. Okay. It's what it's like is like you love sugar and they end up giving you Splenda. It's just, it, okay. It, it does the job, but it's just not as good. So there you go. There's my thoughts. Mets fans, you can go complain about it all you want. The no hitter that you had this weekend, not nearly as impressive, not nearly as impressive as one guy going out there and getting the job done by himself. Thanks again to, for uh, George Stoya's time for hopping on. Enjoyed breaking down the draft class here with the Denver Broncos. I will continue to talk about their roster throughout the rest of the uh, offseason, and I'm looking forward to it. We'll spend a lot of time on it before uh, the end of the week. The Avs, my best bet there. 
minus two and a half games, minus 117 on Bet Rivers. I think they steamrolled the Predators, uh, the Nuggets. It was great to hear from MPJ and Michael uh, and, and Jamal Murray and Tim Connolly, and then the Rockies will get back going tomorrow. I will catch you on Wednesday. Thank you very much for checking it out here on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers.